Using iCloud with Core Data is kind of the holy grail of this technology, and in this video we're going to have a look at how to make that happen. In principle, we save changes from our Core Data log entries into iCloud. We do not save the actual store file into iCloud. Each device has their own local store file. It is only the log files that get updated and we, be, we get notified if a change has happened in iCloud. This is something that works since iOS 6. It's been built into core data since iOS 5, where it was kind of working almost. In iOS 6, it was working, and it was working really well since iOS 7. Just something to keep in mind. we we'll go through why in a moment. This technology works best with SQLite stores because they save data in records rather than the XML stores, which save data all in one go, also known as atomically. Core Data iCloud works with XML stores, but it works much better with SQLite stores, especially if you have large amounts of data. In regards to implementation, this works in the following way. When you define your store file in the NS Persistent Store Coordinator, you can pass the NS Persistent Store ubiquitous content name key. Any string there will do, anything that is of value to you and identifies your store in iCloud. It's something that you know no one else will see, so it's you know, whatever whatever is good for you really. iCloud will identify that and will under iOS 7 be able to find your iCloud folder automatically. If you want to support older versions of iOS, then you also need to pass the NS Persistent Store ubiquitous content URL key, and you do that by almost calling the same method that we discussed in the previous video, where you just get the URL for your uh, iCloud folder. We can detect data changes with the NS Persistent Store did import ubiquitous content changes notification. I know it's a bit of a handful, but it does what it says on the tin. As soon as that happens, we need to tell the Manage Object Context, hey, we have new content and please merge the changes from this notification. So our event handler method will have to take that notification as well, because this could be posted several times depending on how many records have been saved. In essence, whenever you execute the save method on your Manage Object Context, Core Data will write one set of log files, and this is the set that gets imported onto other devices. I want to take a little bit of time to talk about the fallback store. It is an ingenious technology. This was introduced in iOS 7. Developers had to do this manually before iOS 7 due to the fact that when you initially set up an iCloud-capable core data store, it takes a while for that method to return. Under iOS 5 and 6, that happened synchronously. So that means we had to wait two to three minutes, sometimes longer, for that method to return. This is because it relies on data traffic and it needed to contact the iCloud servers and it really depends on how long that takes. The fallback store is a temporary store file that is available during that period where in iOS 5 and 6 nothing was available. In iOS 7 this is an asynchronous method so it returns immediately but really there's no real iCloud core data store file there and that's the fallback store. As soon as the real iCloud store file is available core data in the background will transition off that fake store and put in the real store. The implication for us as developers is, of course, that the user may have already saved data in the fake store that was available instantly because they wanted to start using the app instantly. 
So we will get two notifications here. One before core data will swap out that store and one after it's finished. Those two notifications are NS Persistent Store Coordinator will change stores and NS Store Coordinator did change stores. Those sound long and convoluted, don't be scared by that, it's, it's nothing to be afraid of. All we need to do is when we get the first notification, the will change stores notification, we need to save anything that we have currently in our fake store. During this time, between the first and the second notification, we need to make sure the users don't fiddle with the app so that they can't add other data. It's usually not a problem. This doesn't even take a second, so it's just half a second, and all you want to do is disable the user input. And so that the real iCloud store can come back, we need to save and reset our manage object context just before it's being swapped out. Let's see how we do all that in code. I'm going to go ahead and create a brand new Xcode project for this. And for this, I'm going to use the master detail template. I'm going to call it core data, and I'm going to use iPhone only, and I'm going to use core data down here. So make sure you tick that tick box. And then our core data stack is being set up for us. I'll put it on my desktop so I remember where it is. And just like we've seen before in the other two videos, I'm going to prepare my app for use with iCloud. So over here, I'm going to head over to Info, find the bundle identifier. This is because this is currently grayed out, so I can't put my real bundle identifier in. So over to Info, bundle ID, take that variable out. And mine is called com.pingstonepictures.icloud. Back to the general tab, I'm going to select my team. And once Xcode is done here, I'm going to go over to Capabilities and switch on iCloud. I don't really need key value storage right now, but I'm always happy to tick this box because it's you can use all these three technologies together. And otherwise, you know, if I if I want to do that later, I'll forget. So let's tick that box as well. That's all we need to really do. And if we run this app now, it will already work pretty well. We're not going to touch the storyboard or anything. We're just going to go straight into my app delegate. And in it, it will have set up my core data stack. Let me collapse those methods here. And scroll down to the bottom here, the core data stack. I assume you know core data already. Otherwise, what I'm going to tell you it does not make a lot of sense. We have the manage object context and the model. And the method we really care about is the persistent store coordinators custom initializer here. Let's quickly go through what that does. If we have one, you could just say, you know, if that exists, we simply return it. If we don't, we'll set one up. First thing, we're going to create a URL to our store file. We're going to use that method here, application documents directory. That's provided by this template as well. It's down here. It's fairly simple. It just returns where our local documents directory exists and returns that. We take that and we append whatever our application is called .sqlite. This is an arbitrary name. You can name this anything you want. It doesn't even have to be called sqlite at the end. That's just, you know, whatever, really. We define an error object. And then comes the tough part here. We're going to create that coordinator with our manage object model. Actually, now comes the tough part, where we add the persistent store 
to the coordinator. And we do this with an if statement. In case this method fails, we can display an error. Let's collapse the comments here to make it a little bit more readable. Uh, all we're doing is add persistent store with type NSSQLite store type. Configuration nil, that's good. URL is the URL we've defined above here in our documents directory. Options nil, we're going to change that in a minute. And then we have our error object. And if something went wrong, we'll just print that out. Here's where we need to make our first change. We need an options dictionary that will tell our persistent store coordinator, hey, let's do this with iCloud support. So right underneath here, I'm going to create a dictionary. I'm going to call it options. And I'll use that literal creator with the at sign, dictionary. And the key I'm looking for is the NS Persistent Store Ubiquitous Content Name Key. Here, right underneath it, we have the content URL key. This is what you'd have to pass for older versions of iOS. I'm using iOS 7, so I'm only going to use this one, the Persistent Store Ubiquitous Content Name Key. And anything will do, so in this case, we're going to call, it's a string, and we're going to call it Screencast. That's all our dictionary needs to contain. If you wanted to pass other options, this would be your chance, such as infer mapping model automatically, uh, remove wall files, that sort of thing. And in here, we're just going to add it to options. Do you know what? This is all that's needed for the app to work. If you, if you use this now, it will work with iCloud. It's one line of code. That's amazing. It doesn't work very well, so we need to do some other things as well. But this is the, the main portion of the setup already. I will do the other things in my view controller, even though you can do it in the app delegate as well. I'm going to do it on the view controller here. I'm sure you've seen the master detail template. It's the one that has one plus button at the top that lets you add a record, and that's pretty much it. And it adds a timestamp of right now. I'll collapse all these methods here, get a Zen going, and we're going to be dealing with the view load method because this is where we're going to add our iCloud observers. For those observers to make sense, we need to define three methods. We can do this with blocks, but I prefer to do it with methods. It keeps it a bit simpler. We need three. The first one is a void method, which is stores will change. I'm going to keep it in line here with the notifications that we will receive. So the first one is when the stores are changing. And so that my log message stands out a bit, I'm going to add a couple of empty lines at the top and at the bottom. Let me copy this because we need another method. So I'm going to copy this entire thing. And my next one is going to be called stores did change. There. So we have two methods. In fact, what I did forget. A pragma mark. So we know where we are here. Stores will change and stores did change. The third one is also a void method. And that is the merge content. This method needs to take a parameter, which is the notification of whatever changes there were that are going to be merged. Merge content here. Now that we have our methods, they don't do anything. They just tell me that they're 
being executed. I'm going to add those observers under view did load. We need three of them. The first one, and the observer itself, the selector is our stores will change. And name is what I said earlier, the very long complex name is the NS persistent store coordinator stores will change notification. And the object is in our view controller we have the we have access to the manage object context. We need to pass the store coordinator. Luckily we can access that with self manage object context persistent store coordinator. That's the first one. The second one looks very similar. It's self again. The selector is going to be stores Stores did change, and the name here very much like uh, like the one above. NS persistent store coordinator stores did change notification. Object same thing. Self manage object. Now that's my persistent store coordinator there. And the third observer we're going to create here is the one that notifies us if data in iCloud has changed. So, as notification center default center, merge content, and that name was the really, really long one, which was did import ubiquitous content changes notification. <laughs> Thanks for code completion. And again, we pass that on the persistent store coordinator. Let's run our app on a real device and see what happens. Here's my iPod, and it's currently connected to the internet. And let me run that app for the first time. I'll select the iCloud tab here. Notice right now the message down here is using local store one, and that is Core Data's way of saying we're currently using the fallback store, the local store. So anything I would add to my interface right now wouldn't actually be added to the iCloud store. In a moment, this is going to change to using local storage zero, which means we're not using local storage anymore, and instead we're using the real iCloud store. So think of this as the fake store and the local storage zero as the real iCloud store. There we go, a bit of data traffic coming in here, and we can see that the first observer method that was called is the stores will change notification was received, shortly followed by stores did change notification received. So far, so good. Let me add some records here. If you're not familiar with the master detail template, uh, as soon as you press the plus button, it just adds a timestamp of right now. And in case you're wondering about the time discrepancy, this is GMT time and this is my local time. That's how that works. Let me launch the same app on my iPhone. In fact, I'm gonna get rid of this. 
technical difficulties in bringing my iPhone, my real iPhone on the screen. I don't see any values yet. And right now, down here, we're still looking at the iPhone. We're still looking at the local storage. So nothing has transitioned yet. There we go. iCloud was able to transition off the local store and is now on the iCloud store. In time, the changes will propagate, but it may take a few seconds, a few minutes, depending on how much data you've got on the, on the iCloud store there. Let me try to add more on the iPod Touch. Two more records. And I would expect those to arrive on the iPhone at some point. Right now they won't though, because even though we're receiving the notification that new content has been merged here, merge content here, we're not actually merging the content. So let's work on that next. Stop the app on both devices. And head back over to my view controller where we've got these two methods here. Let's work on the merge content thing first because I guess that's the most important one that we want to do. The other two, they have to do with edge cases and we're going to discuss those in a second too. There's one simple method that we need to call on the managed object context and it has one that's called merge changes from context did save notification and it takes a notification. We're happy to provide it to him. That's that. Now content will be merged on subsequent launches. We could run this straight away, but let's do a bit more code here and deal with these two edge cases. Stores will change and stores did change. The first one, let's define what we need to do here. We would like to disable our UI so no one can fiddle with it. And then we want to save our context and also reset our context actually. It's save and reset. Disable UI is, uh, depends on your app, how you do it. There is a very simple method you can call on the UI shared application singleton, which is just to disable all touch input altogether. And here's how you do that. UI application shared, shared application. Begin ignoring interaction events. And that means if anyone touches your iPhone screen, all touch events are being ignored. Exactly what we want, that's perfect. Save and reset our context. We'll do this with an if-then statement. So if my managed object context has changes, then let's save them. I'm gonna leave the error check out here. I'm just gonna assume it's all gonna go well. If he hasn't got changes, then I'd like to reset it. The reason why we do this here is that this notification will be passed more than once. The first time it'll get passed, if we don't reset the context, we basically have a chance to save it. And once we saved it, it will be called again, and then we reset it. Core data goes to work and changes the stores and lets us know by the next notification, which is the stores did change notification. That should be good here. On the stores did change, let's see what we do here. It is more or less the reverse of what we did before. So first we need to enable our UI again. And then we need to update our UI. 
In our case, that should be taken care of automatically by the NSFetch results controller, which as soon as the manage object context changes, it should be updated. So we don't really have to worry about that here. Just something to keep in mind depending on your app. Re-enable the UI, of course, that is something we have influence of. Just like before on the shared application, we want to remove what we did before, so end ignoring interaction events. That's it. Under update UI, I'm going to just put this for safe measure, safe table view, reload data. Doesn't really make much of a difference here. I'll just put it here for completion. Righty then, let's see if this was all working. Launch the app on the iPhone and on the iPod. I'll select the iCloud here. And we're currently looking at the iPhone, which is still looking at the local store here. It hasn't transitioned off the local store. So we'll wait for that to happen. By the way, to get used to this interface here, um, well, there we go, perfect. We're now on the iCloud store. You can switch between your devices here. So give them a good name that you can tell them apart, my iPhone and my iPod here. And this big window, which lets you which shows you what core data is doing under the hood and all these little records that it saves, you can select your device up here, including your Mac. See what your Mac's doing in regards to iCloud right now. So let's look at the iPhone up here and down here. If I add a record on my iPod over here, or two, then I'm expecting those records to be merged into my iPhone. So watch this space down here. What I'm expecting is two notifications that say merge content here. Ideally, this should happen twice. There we go, that's the second one. And once that's happened, my managed object context is now going to merge those changes. But until they appear on the interface, it could take a little bit more time. So let's, there we go. Those are the two records that I've just added here 1735, 08, and 09. Nice. Let's see if it works the other way around. First, I'm going to change the log output here to my iPod. So a very exciting Xcode is trying to tell us here. Let's ignore that for now. And on my iPhone, I'm going to add a couple of records. First content merge message. Hopefully shortly followed by the second one. There we go. Awesome. Let's watch the iPod touch. Over here, I'm expecting two new records. Uh, 1736, 01, and 02, and there they are. Perfect. So changes merge both ways. That's cool. Let's see if it also works with deleting records. On my iPhone, I'm going to go ahead and delete maybe these uh, 1735 records here. Both of those. Gone. And let's watch the iPod and see if those records are in fact deleted. There we go, four notifications received, amazing. Both records deleted. Very cool stuff. So the way this works is every time, this method is called every time a core data save is initiated. That's when a new log message is saved to core data or to the ubiquitous folder. And the more often you do that, the more merge notifications you'll get, and the less often you do that, 
the less notifications you get and also the less network traffic there is. As a rule of thumb, I think if this is an object here, if, the, oops, obviously I can't touch on the screen here. If this here was your object and it has five properties, then it doesn't make sense to save each single property or save after each single property. It makes more sense to let the user fill in all five and then as soon as you go back, then save all those five properties to your object and then the entire object is being propagated to core data. Let's leave the iPhone alone and go back to the iPod here for a second. I'm gonna close the app on both devices. And on my iPod, I'm gonna remove this app altogether. So it'll delete the local store, any cache data that we have on the device. I'm also gonna switch on airplane mode here on my iPod Touch. Notice that when I do that, I no longer can see the screen here, uh, so you've got to trust me on this. The app is deinstalled and I have no longer a network connection on the device. So we can, however, see the log messages that we're going to get here. What I want to demonstrate is this fallback store thing, and that's important to keep in mind. I'm going to run this app on my iPod. We'll go back to the iCloud window here, and all we're seeing is a massive long error message, and I'll explain what that means. First, it tells us we're using local storage. Then, in its infinite, amazing way, Xcode is saying, I can't reach iCloud. I can't see what currently is in iCloud. I understand there may be records there, but of course, I won't be able to bring them into my device here. This is a realistic use case because a user may be underground, they may be on a plane, they start using your app for the first time. It is empty, even though on their second device there may be content in iCloud. Again, you can't see that, but I'm going to add two records here, which are persisted on the device in the fallback store. And now I'm going to go ahead and switch off airplane mode and switch on my Wi-Fi again. Here's my device, and so under the hood, iCloud is hard at work and told me first the stores will change, so we've saved those two records in our fake store. Then iCloud was transitioning those records back into the real iCloud store, and now we're on iCloud. Notice that my interface doesn't seem to have updated, so hey, there we go. Those are two new records I didn't see before. This time has just changed. And all the other records that are in iCloud, they will follow shortly. Now, keep in mind, this can take some time, but eventually they will arrive. And even if I add new records, they will also go and be saved in iCloud. Let's run this on my iPhone again as well, so that we can see this side by side. Here it is. iPhone does not know about the new records yet. Give the two some time to catch up. This can happen, these empty cells, that means it's been detected that there is new content but it hasn't quite updated the content and then a second later or so uh, this is, this is going to happen. Looks like our iPhone has all the data including the two, three records even that we've created here. The two were created where, while the app was offline and this one was created when it was already online. So the iPhone already has all those changes. As I said, it can take some time for all the changes to appear here. You may even have to, sometimes you just give the interface a little jiggle that helps and then everything just pops into place. It depends on how quickly iCloud has transferred all the data. 
I wanted to show you another code snippet that may come in handy. It's about the stores did change notification. I've amended this method so that it now takes the notification in, much like we did with the merge content down here. And the reason why I did that is because it may be useful for you to know why have the stores actually changed. And we can query the notification and react accordingly. I'll do that up here underneath the NSLog statement. First, we need to grab the NS number of that user info dictionaries key that we're looking for. So we'll do that by saying user info is the dictionary, so we can extract that with object for key. This one here, NS persistent store ubiquitous transition type. And you can see on the code completion here that this is the string and it gives us four enumerations. So we can detect why this happened. For example, transition type initially imported, content removed, account removed, account added. So this is good to detect if a user's iCloud account has changed. Since this is enumerated, we need to grab an int out of that so we can use it in a switch statement. Cool, we can't enumerate an NS number, that's why I had to do that. And now we'll just use our switch statement. We'll switch on the reason, and then the cases will be the other enumerated values. So in this case, the first one, NS persistent store ubiquitous transition type account added, And then the next one, and the final one, which is probably the most interesting one to us. And there you have it. I'll post this code as a separate article. I'm going to post a link under the video where you can find that. It, you don't have to use it, but sometimes you may want to know, hey, if the initial import from iCloud has just been completed, so the last statement here, then I'd like to do something else. Or in case a new iCloud account was added to the device, you want to welcome the user or something like that. Just for completion, I thought it may come in handy later. This has, of course, only scratched the surface of what you can do with iCloud and especially with core data. So where do we go from here? There's one document that has been released literally last month in April 2014, and that's the iCloud Programming Guide for Core Data. Sadly, it's at the time I'm recording this video in May 2014, it hasn't made it onto the internal Xcode documentation yet, so you have to search for it on the web, and then you'll find it. It explains everything that we've done here and more, and will give you pointers of where else to look in order to build your iCloud with core data projects. If you want to know more about how to store documents in iCloud, there's a class that we haven't covered in this course, which is the UI document class. This has been written specifically so that you can save data and receive notifications if and when changes happen. If you want another challenge, you can look into another class that is based on the UI document class. It's called the UI managed document. And again, this is, this is extremely complex, but think of something like a pages document or a keynote document that in itself has a manage object context on a per document basis and you have several of those that you could save in core data with iCloud. You know the sky's the limit really and if you really want a challenge look into that.
if this whole core data business is a bit mystifying to you, there's a really good course over at lynda.com that I can recommend. It's called Core Data for iOS and Mac OS X by Simon Allardyce. It's amazing. Before I watched that course a couple of years ago, I never really understood core data, but as soon as I did, it really all fell into place. He's a master at explaining things, so I highly recommend if you have any core data questions, look into that. That was it. I hope you've learned a lot from this course and I hope you can apply what you've learned in some rad apps that'll be coming to the App Store very soon. If you have any questions about anything that we've discussed here, leave me a comment on the article and I hope I'll see you next time. Take care.